It's very good to be here this morning. I appreciate Van leading that song for us this morning, as he uh, mentioned. There we go. I believe it ties into our lesson. I hope the things that I've prepared this morning will be beneficial to you and help you draw closer to Christ. You know, ultimately, that should be our goal here today. We should have woke up this morning and started preparing ourselves to draw closer to Christ. Joshua 1 and verse 9 reads, Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This verse here, excuse me, this verse here in Joshua, to give the background of this, the children of Israel had just got through wandering 40 years in the desert. Moses had died. And now they have a new leader, Joshua. And Joshua stands before the people and gives them the command that God gave him. It says, Be strong and of good courage, and do not be afraid. The reason why Joshua was standing there in front of the people is because of the history, because of the, what happened. We find in Numbers 13 why the children of Israel got into the problem they were in. It reads, And they returned from the spying out of the land after 40 days. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. And they brought back word with them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell on the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land through which they had gone as spies in the land <coughs> is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw entered are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So you see here there was 12 spies sent in, one man from every tribe. And 10 of those spies gave an evil report. They come back and they told the congregation, it is impossible. We can't do it. There's no way. But two of them told the truth. We see here in Numbers 14, that was Numbers 13, we skip to the next chapter, and we see God's punishment for these men. For not these men, for the whole children of Israel. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear this evil congregation whom complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, saith the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter into the land, which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity until the carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. So God punished them. So now we end back up here at Joshua 1 and 9. For I have not commanded you, have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they had this great task ahead of them. Moses had died. Their leader is gone. He'd been their leader for as long as all of them could remember. And Joshua and Caleb were the only men over the age of 20 at the time that the spies went in to survey the land to still be alive. There was a lot of new things happening, a lot of changes. There's a change in authority. You know, we as a nation change leaders every four years. And there's lots of anxiety, lots of turmoil, lots of unknown. What direction will we go? How will we go? Moses had been their leader for as long as they could all remember. They were on the edge of a new ground. It was uncharted territory. They had never been there before. It was a new beginning. Not only that, they had to cross a river. They had to cross the River Jordan. And it's very deep. And it's very wide. And it has a very strong moving current. In Joshua chapter 1, four times is it repeated... To be strong and of good courage. In verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 18. It repeats itself over and over. Why did God have to tell Joshua four times to tell the people to be strong? To be courageous? I submit to you because of doubt. They had doubt in their ability to take the land. Remember their enemy was strong. It was a vast land, and it was way over there. It was fortified, and it had giants in it. They had anxiety. It was a new beginning. All the change we talked about. Uncharted land. You know, what is really doubt and anxiety? 
is fear. A whole generation before them suffered because of fear. And God had to tell them four times to be strong, to be courageous, and not to fear. Because he didn't want a whole other generation of his people to suffer. You know, they were probably justified in their fear before we're too hard on them. Because there were strong armies. There were fortified cities. And there were giants there. And they were probably justified in their fear if they were going alone. But they were not alone. God says, For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, it's no contest for the strong armies against God. It's no contest for the fortified cities against God. It's no contest against the giants. God will win every time. They weren't alone. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 reads, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear is ultimately what caused their wandering in the desert. It's what set them back a generation. They could have been living in homes and in cities, dwelling on the farm, a whole generation before this, if they'd only trusted in God. I ask you this morning to think about your own life. And how will fear affect your generations and the generations to come? How does it keep you now from fully committing to Christ? How does it keep you from drawing closer to God? What do we put between us and God that keeps us committing to being committed wholly to Him? You know, no matter where we look in the world today, Satan is pushing fear. You know, this is kind of the highlights of, of what we like to be fearful of. And these things are serious. These are huge issues in our lives. Disease, money, weather, politics, our livelihoods, our families, our future. War. Our freedom, sickness, and death. You know, being alone probably is the biggest fear on that board there. These are serious things. They affect us every day. These are giant issues. You know, one thing is sure, that if you listen to the noise that Satan is spreading around, it'll wear you down. And you'll become weary. You just wear out. You get tired. And you will never find peace. You know, we can become like the slothful servant in the parable of the talents. You know, he just gave up. He went and hid his talent. He was fearful of what his Lord would do. Philippians 4 and verse 8 reads, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, 
whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. God offers you peace, peace of mind. He offers us hope. He offers us something better, a home in heaven, freedom of fear, a way to escape. 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 6, reads, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God cares for you. And that is not the message of Satan. That is not what the world teaches you today. But God cares for you. And God wants to bear your burdens. But he wants you to submit to him. You have value. And if you're a faithful Christian, God is there for you. You know, what happens when we give in to fear? You know, pick, pick whatever you'd like out of the list there. And we, you let one of those things consume you. Well, I think one thing that happens is, is we take sides. Is Caleb and Joshua versus the other ten spies. You know, if we're not careful today, we can let fear divide us. And it can be fear of anything, whatever it is. Ephesians 4 and verse 2 reads, With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us it is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You know, if you think about it, that's a really all-inclusive list. Forbearing one another, one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, that pretty much covers all issues. It doesn't leave anybody out. We're all in this together. You know, another thing that happens when we give in to fear, when we let fear in the driver's seat, is emotions take over. Doubt, malice, slander, jealousy, spite. We no longer have grace for each other. We no longer have patience for each other. We no longer have unity. There is no forbearance. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22 reads, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Chapter 2 and verse 1 reads, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, all hypocrisies and envies, 
and all evil speaking. Romans 6 and 13 reads, Neither yield ye members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When we're prepared, when we're spiritually prepared, we won't listen to discouragement. We won't let fear divide us. We won't let sin find a foothold. So, there's many lessons from David's life. But this morning, I'd like to look at three lessons from David's life concerning giants and fear. The first one I'm going to call the giant David killed. David versus Goliath. The second is the giant that nearly killed David. David and this other giant that was Goliath's brother. And then the third giant is the giant that cost David. David and his temptation. I believe fear factored into every one of these stories. So we find the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Israel was battling the Philistines. And there was this valley that divided the two of them, the two armies. And each army was up on top of the valley on either side. And Goliath would come down, and he'd come out to the front lines, and he would taunt the children of Israel. He would taunt those armies. And he was a huge man. He was nine foot tall and carried a huge spear and was carried armor and he, every day he'd walk out and he'd taunt the children of Israel and he'd tell them send forth a champion to fight me and, and whoever wins will decide the battle in verse 23 we pick up this is David here as he walked with them behold there came unto the champion there came up the champion the Philistine of Gath Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them. So David was there. He was visiting his brothers. He was bringing news to them, bringing news back to his father. And David's, David witnessed this giant come out and taunt the children of Israel. Verse 24 reads, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. They were all afraid. You know, all these men looked to their own strength and they found themselves lacking. David looked to his faith. David looked to God. And he saw the strength and he saw the ability to overcome the giant. David trusted fully in God. So, David prepares to go out against the giant. And the people around him give him their tools of war. And they don't fit. And David tells them, all I need is God. So he goes out with his slingshot. And Goliath curses David. 
But David once again replies, all I need is God. His God, the Lord, would be with him. And David used his sling and he slung a rock. And he struck Goliath in the head and he killed him. And he took his own sword from him and he cut off his head. And the battle was over. The second giant I mentioned we find in 2 Samuel 21. Beginning in verse 15 it reads, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down with his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. David got tired. Got wore down in the battle. And this giant, which was one of the sons of the giant, weighed, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, and being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. David was in the heat of it, and he got down, and he was about to die. His nephew come in, and he rescued him, and he saved him, and, and his nephew defeated the giant. says there in verse, into verse 17, And when the men of David swore unto him, saying, Thou shalt no more, go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. You know, life got really real, real for those men of David. They'd been in countless battles with him, and they nearly lost him. And they begin to fear losing David. What will we do if David dies? They call him the light of Israel. They were putting their faith in David, not in God. Sure, it's true, David was blessed. And what he t touched was blessed. And Israel was blessed through David. But David was not the fountain of those blessings. God was. God blessed that nation through David. God blesses his believers. He blesses those that submit to him. But still, they were fearful of losing David. And they said, you're no more going to go out with us to battle. What are the unintended consequences of our actions? So thirdly, we have the story of David and Bathsheba. We find that in 2 Samuel 11. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass at even time, even tide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Why was David walking around on the rooftop? Anxiety. He was there, and his men, his friends, his brothers, his people were at war. And he wasn't. He was fearful. 
of what would come to them, of how the battle would go. I'm not saying fear is the only problem here. David's sin and the lessons of this, of this story here is really a different lesson. My point is, is David wound up in a spot to be tempted because of anxiety, because of fear. And this can happen to us as well. You know, what are the unintended consequences of our actions? You know, we can wreck our families for a whole generation based on the choices we make. It happened to Israel the first time when they defied God. It happened to David. And it can happen to us sitting here in the pews this morning. Let's be careful of our choices. Let's be careful of the unintended consequences of them. You know, what do our giants all have in common? I'm going to take a little liberty this morning, and I'm going to call these giants. What do our giants have in common with David's giants? First of all, I think they taunt us. Satan tells us we can't win. Satan tells us we're alone. Satan tells us we have no value. We have no hope. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3 reads, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us, us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We are not alone. You know, sometimes we win a great victory over sin, and we get tired, and we don't prepare for the next battle. You know, we get content with our growth. We get frustrated with something. We give up. It might be the opposite. We get overconfident in our abilities. Whatever it is, sometimes we get worn down. Galatians 6 and 1 reads, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Thus thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. If you have a problem, seek somebody's help. If you see somebody with a problem, go to them with humility and meekness and help them. Let's not be too proud to take help. God offers this for us. He's given us a help. Let's use it. But how often does pride get in our way and not let us take that help? Just like David needed help in the battle with that giant, sometimes we need help too. Hebrews 12 and 1 reads, Wherefore, seeing we are all compassed with, about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He said, lay it aside. Let it go. Let fear go. Let the distractions go. Let sin go. Get rid of it. It's just holding you down. And then sometimes our actions, which are not sinful, our decisions we make, the choices we make, the paths we go down, where we work, where we live, where we go to school, what we go see, how we entertain ourselves, where we spend our time, might not be sinful, but sometimes it puts us in bad positions. You know, the young crowd over here gets talked to about this a lot, and I think it's very valid. But really, it's for all of us. We can get ourselves in a bad spot for a whole generation. It's those unintended consequences. Be careful the decisions you make. And ask yourself, how will your choice affect your relationship with Christ? Will it draw you closer, or will it lead you further away? James 1 and verse 14 reads, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Drawn away. That man is drawn away. He is not where he should be. Have you ever woke up and found yourself not where you should be? You didn't start there, but that's where you ended up. Let's be careful. So, how do we face our giants? First of all, know that God is on the side of his children. Romans 8 and verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? It goes back to all the stories we've talked about. With Joshua, God will be with us. We'll take the cities. David, God will be with me. I'll kill the giant. And it's the same for us today. God will be with me. I can overcome that sin. But you've got to trust in God. You've got to submit to Him fully. Next, know you have a weapon. Ephesians 6 and verse 17. Take the, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God didn't leave us without a weapon. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us without hope. He gave us the Word. The Word is our weapon. We need, to, we need to study that Word. We need to get to know how to use it. It's not enough just to be able to just spurt out verses, be able to quote them. We need to know how to use that Word. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to grow with it. And thirdly, Christians have a Savior. As Christians, we have our champion to fight our battle. 
Christ is our Savior. Christ represents us. He stands in for us. He's there for us. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ defeated death. Christ came back from the grave. Our champion is our key to a home in heaven. He's our key to our victory. We can be made free from this world, from the distractions in it, from all its problems. Romans 8 and 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of those giants, all of that fear, all of that sin, only lust can separate us from God. If we, let that, if we put that fear, if we put that sin between us and God, it'll separate us. But we have to make that choice. We have to choose what we're going to do. It's only if we let it. Only if we choose to live in fear. So giants have a way of coming back. Sin doesn't just go away. Problems in life don't just go away. Temptation doesn't just go away. We must be ever watchful. We must be prepared. We must be studying and growing and striving to do better, striving to make our walk closer to God, to be more Christ-like. Second of all, we can't live on past accomplishments. David killed the first giant. The second one nearly killed him. Don't be overconfident. Continue to grow. And don't get tired and worn down and weary. And if you do, take help. We all need help sometimes. And we have fellow Christians that are able to help us, that want to help us that are willing to support us. I encourage you to use them to seek out their help. So I'm going to leave you with the same verse we began with this morning and the same sediment. I encourage you to be strong and courageous. God is on your side if you'll submit to Him. He wants to take care of you. He wants you you have value. Let's be careful to not set ourselves back a whole generation based on our fears, based on our poor choices. But let's be strong and courageous because God is on our side.
This is the lesson I prepared this morning. If fear's got in between you and Christ, and sin's made a foothold, and you're not walking with Christ as close as you should, we're going to offer an invitation at this time. I'd encourage you to come forward. And if, if today's not the day, I encourage you to find somebody and find help and find relief and find that peace that God talks about. We're going to offer the invitation at this time. If there'd be somebody who'd be subject to it, we'd encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing.